Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party in Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? Going really well, Shay. Happy to be here as always. It's a good day, a fun episode. Saturdays are always such an enjoyable time, and we're coming at you with a really cool one, I think, today. We're going to be going over control in depth, giving you guys a bit of a, a guide slash breakdown uh, of the latest mode, Join Apex Legends. Before we do that, though, we want to make sure you join our Discord to ask questions for the podcast, chat Apex, find teammates, and receive third-party updates. Link is in the description. We are planning the second third-party invitational Apex Legends private server tournament. The last one was packed full. We surprised ourselves with how quickly it was filling up. We're doing another one. In order to get access to the sign-up link that will drop at the beginning of March, go sign up on Patreon, third-party tier and above, and you'll have the first access to sign up. Gonna be a ton of fun. It was a massive blast. Everyone was in the Discord hanging out. I mean, after the tournament ended, uh, I got to talk with, you know, upwards of, you know, 15 to 20 folks for a bit, just hanging out in the Discord as we were finalizing the scores. Like, it was a absolute great time. Would recommend signing up and getting there. Uh, you don't get more third-party community than that event that we just ran. Um, but yeah, let's dive into it. Let's dive into the main episode. And we're going to be talking about control. Let's kick things off by just sharing some first impressions of the latest mode to join the Battle Royale genre of Apex. Or, not really, Battle Royale adjacent. I don't know what I'm saying right now. It's the second episode. <laughs> it's it's a cool mode. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. I think that we were really excited coming off of arenas for an objective-based mode. Um, that was kind of of the scale of a team deathmatch, uh, being the 9v9. Um, really cool idea. The execution of it, I think the initial impression is a lot of fun. Like, this is great. Um, the other thing is the anticipation for arenas as a new mode was pretty short in terms of how much we knew, when we knew it. Yeah. Um, there wasn't the same amount of buildup for arenas as there has been for control. We have been hearing whispers and having... Uh, kind of leaks and rumors about a control game mode for over a year at Mm -hmm. this point. So Mm -hmm. that is both a benefit and a weakness Mm -hmm. uh, to having something new come to the game because the hype buildup can many times just surpass the actual impact of something like this. Yeah, it's interesting. It is pitched as an LTM, though. Which is weird because you know, LTM not normally made for meant for a mode that was worked on and built by for over a year, which we have confirmed. And so we're pretty sure that it will end up going permanent eventually. Maybe a slight break. We've talked about some of the theories behind that, and I don't think we need to rehash that right now. But assuming the mode becomes permanent, there could be some changes that come along with it. Um, But talking about it with arenas is an interesting frame of reference. And I think it makes a ton of sense because comparing the three modes, I finally understood like why I really wanted control specifically to come into the game. And, you know, I enjoy BR a ton. BR is really competitive though. 
sometimes. Not to say this mode's not competitive, because it totally is. Like, 100% it's competitive. It just doesn't have the same, like, ranked competitiveness. But there is something to say of, like, when you got nine people, and it's 9v9, and there's respawns, respawns just tend to equal Key point. more casual play. Like, in, mm-hmm. in theory, like, more casual play with respawns. It's not one shot to win it all. And because of that, you have things like, you know, hey, we're waiting for one guy to get on. Let's hop into a quick game of control. Or, hey, we just played a couple really intense ranked games. Eh, let's cool down. Don't really want to cool down with the BR game. Let's cool down with the game of control. And that's been a lot of what's been going on for me. Like, there's not a lot of times I'm hopping onto Apex and not playing at least one game of control, whether it's to warm up the guns in the aim or cool down. And I cannot, and I have never said that about arenas because of the fact that it's still this intense 3v3 pausing after you die and very competitive mode essentially which is not a knock on arenas per se for being that but controls sliding into a really nice spot yeah i I think you're absolutely right arenas is a very competitive mode of apex in my opinion still probably a better warm-up than the firing range just Mm -hmm. because you're actually able to go against live targets you can still pick any weapon that you want it's a good warm-up but it's a hard warm up, you know? Like this is 3v2 2 on 1 basketball. This is yeah, fun, yeah. but hard. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't just you're getting around. better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're getting better, you're getting your cardio in. Um you still want to win. Tough. Mm-hmm. But like you said, this is a very stark contrast to that because it's scaled up 9v9. You have respawns. It's going to be faster, but it's not just a mess around nothing matters because it's tied to objectives yep so you have to love that there's so much done right in this mode that has to be mentioned yeah it's 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 really good like it's it's absolutely great and i think the last thing i'll say about it from my personal experience is in terms of solo playability for everything we just mentioned the respawning all that I think it's a great mode for solos. I've been playing so much of it by myself versus playing trios or duos pubs. Um, and that's, I think, something that was kind of needed in the game, was something that makes the game a bit more approachable when you're by yourself. But yeah, I think you were about to dive into, like, let's get into the Cruxville, let's get into the guide, let's get into the control like points system. And I think you can, you can take the lead on this because you're our numbers guy. <laughs> Well, we'll see. I mean, I'm excited about this guide because I think there's a lot to unpack about this mode that is unique in Apex. Um, But just have to have the disclosure that we still are in an LTM mode. Mm -hmm. Some of this stuff may change. There could be drastic changes Mm -hmm. to control if and when it comes back. Um, I will kind of say right off the bat, for better or for worse, I do not think there will be drastic changes to control. Okay. That's just what I think. Mm-hmm. But we can talk more about if it should be changed, what would we change later on. Sounds good. But first, the control point system. So for every point that you control, meaning an objective, point A, B, or C, you gain one point per second. Super straightforward. Easy. Like, you may not get that with all the like bars and objectives and like things coming up on your HUD, but in your head, you can know that 
for every second, you'll get a point per point that you have. Mm -hmm. Pretty simple compared to other games, I would say. You're either going to be up two or, you know, up one. Like, you'll be able to know the comparison really easily. Very simple, like, rate of point progression. Now, this is where things get weird. Mm -hmm. If a point is neutralized, meaning no team controls it, it will have zero points per second. However, if you are capturing a point that was previously taken by the other team, you will receive the points per second. Really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, typically you have to capture a point yep. before you get the rewards of holding that point mm-hmm. or controlling that point. This kind of rule or feature enforces the pace of control. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be fast. They don't want to have people not getting points, kind of contesting an objective. If you're capturing, you essentially own it Mm -hmm. um, in this mode, which is a pretty cool thing to consider, but it does prove a challenge at doing the opposite. If you're trying to slow down an enemy team, Mm -hmm. it makes it hard to do that just because the pace. And that point, on top of the fact that there's no like pausing feature if you have two of three with x amount of time left the other team will Mm -hmm. still gain points regardless and because of that you don't get some of these like oh 99 to 99 let's make our final stand kind of like moments in the game per se it's it's always going to keep going and then you're going to win you're going to lose you're going to get into the next one like the game's always moving yeah and you know it is what it is. That's not, I yeah. think you mm-hmm. can't not say it's unique. Like For sure. This is a very interesting control objective-based game mode. Uh, even being in Apex with mm-hmm. the amazing movement and weapons and legends. Yep. Um, but as quick and simple as this point system is, um, just having two out of three points does not mean you win. Um, each match, there are three events two bonus events or capture events and a supply drop event the two bonus events are to either attack or defend a specific zone the reward for doing so is plus 125 points for the first event and plus 100 for the second event the time limit per event is two minutes or 120 seconds these capture events are critical to winning now the first event if you hold a point and get the bonus like the event is to defend b and Mm -hmm. you already have b the bonus you are effectively getting is more than double points because of the duration of the event Mm -hmm. that's huge you know more than double points for holding an objective when there's just three objectives is a massive advantage. Mm-hmm. If you win both, uh, if you win just the bonus points, um, and it's more than two minutes worth of holding the point on top of the points gained. Mm-hmm. So it's points galore, essentially, <laughs> with these capture events. Now, if you win both capture events, so one and two, your team has an 18% boost at winning from a point perspective. That's a huge chunk. Like, if it was any higher than that, getting around 20% of an incentive to play a special event mm-hmm. is 
beyond massive. You know, the margin of winning a game is rarely uh, that large, yeah. to be honest. It's a blowout. In other mm-hmm. types of games. So that's huge, just in and of itself. So we'll get back to that. But those are the numbers behind winning points mm-hmm. and the capture events. Now, match duration is something that I think is kind of interesting because when you're playing, you kind of need to know how much time do I have? How does it affect the points? How long is this game going to be? Do I have time to wait at any point? Or should I be pushing? Should I be defending? Mm -hmm. If you hold two points and win both capture events, a match can last less than nine minutes. Without the capture events a match can last 10 to 12 minutes on average. Mm-hmm. So quick. The kind of line up with the BR, but probably faster overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, very quick um, in terms of the scale of this. You might assume that a 9v9 would be very much longer. We it kind of had the assumption going into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not that. But we had the assumption coming into this that there would be a halftime yeah. as well mm-hmm. for a mode like Switch this. sides, like, yeah. None of that. We are very much cut and dry, quick, quick, quick. Now, if you control all three points, a lockout event will trigger 120 seconds if you hold each point, or 120 minutes if you hold each point and none of them become neutralized. Excuse me. 120 seconds is what the timer will be for the Mm -hmm. lockout if you have all three points. Now, none of them can become neutralized at any point. So the other team doesn't have to capture one of the points from you. They only have to neutralize it, and that will reset the lockout timer. Mm -hmm. If the countdown gets to zero and you win from a lockout, that's a default win, almost like a mercy rule. But I'll tell you, this is... Almost impossible going up against a full team. Yeah, it's uh, I like that it's there though. Like it's a nice mm-hmm. feature to keep things balanced if need be. Um, I've won I think twice off of a lockout, and it was incredibly unbalanced game. Like one of them was just like, oh, our team just had a bunch of better players, and one they had less players than us, and so that's what it's for. When you get into the six on uh, nines, hopefully this makes your game go by a little bit quicker if it's just a miserable experience. And that's kind of one of the things. You're not going to have a horrible experience because if you get locked out, the worst thing that can happen is two minutes of downtime, essentially, or two minutes and then you're done. So there is nice. I think this is an interesting system. And just because of how it's broken out, I feel like the game turns into a tug of war style game and just how the objectives are laid out as well, where you cap your own and then you're fighting for B because you need to gain two in order to gain faster and win the game. And there's not a huge advantage to making plays for the back team's points. It's not like COD or other things where your spawns flip. And because of that, you have this like, hey, let's hold AB, hey, let's hold CB, and kind of get through it in that way. Um, But those capture events are kind of that exception. You know, if it's on point B, that capture event is critical. You have to at least contest it. You can't let the other team just secure it the entire time. But if the capture event is on your own spawn, 
you cannot lose that one. You have such an advantage over that. You need to get that bonus point uh, if it's on C and you're spawning on C side. So those two like kind of those are kind of some of my thoughts on how the scoring system and the breakdowns affect the actual gameplay. But it truly does revolve a lot around the capture points uh, or a lot around the capture events. And for better or for worse, I think it's pretty cool. It's cool. And I think the entire mode is centered around forcing you to act and speed. Mm -hmm. I think we already said it a ton this episode, but the idea that the capture events are so important, you can't really camp on a point in order to guarantee a victory um, in most situations. And the fact that if there is complete domination, the goal is to finish it as quickly as possible. We want to keep people engaged. We Mm -hmm. want to keep them playing the objective. If that is no longer possible... Just cancel the game. Yeah. You know, we're not trying to drag things out mm-hmm. um, in any way, which is a very good idea. That's an extreme contrast to the BR, yeah. which is kind of a long form game where you're doing a lot of waiting around and not fighting. Mm-hmm. This is fight, 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 play, play, play constantly. Well, break down the new feature as well that comes with this mode, replacing the kill leader function, we have the rating system and the ratings leader, which I think we're going to break it down and hopefully make it pretty streamlined, straightforward and simple for you, but it's definitely not like the most just simple thing to understand if you're just trying to read through the menus or trying to learn it by playing the game, essentially. Yeah, so the rating system. Uh essentially revolves around weapons and Mm -hmm. weapons only. Each player starts at a rating level tier two. This might be weird to you because (laughs) why would you not start at tier one? Yeah. Um, The rationale behind that is essentially paralleling the tier system of loot rarity Mm -hmm. in Apex. So tier one would be common or gray. Tier two would be blue. So essentially, everybody starts out with blue weapon attachments. Tier 2. After you earn 200 points, you get to Tier 3, purple attachments. And then at rating level 4, you have to earn another 300 points. And that gives you Tier 4 attachments, gold attachments. This system is pretty cool, honestly, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of being able to earn better equipment. This is an idea that we've really liked before. It is reminiscent of Evo Armor, mm-hmm. but probably cooler in terms of the actual benefit that you receive from doing it and the reaction. You know, you can accomplish this a lot quicker, I think, than leveling all the way up to red Evo Armor. It's a cool play on like the kill streaks kind of thing it's a score streak in call of duty essentially Mm -hmm. you know like based off of what you do you're going to get into the specifics you then get upgrades and that's a i think a cool way to reward players for playing an objective based game versus just playing for kills i i agree it's a really cool feature that i think was necessary and control to keep people engaged without forcing apex to create a new create a class system uh, that was simpler. I think having the five different loadouts, being able to upgrade them by doing damage is a really cool feature. But does it matter? I think is a question that a lot of players are going to experience when playing control. Honest answer right now, not really. 
Weapons from fallen players on both sides are very easily accessible, so getting a purple weapon loadout is really not difficult based off of how the rating tier system works right now. Um, and that probably is good. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you don't want there to be a huge difference between weapon attachments. If we started at tier one, that would make things a lot less fair. Yeah. But the gap between tier two and tier four is not incredibly drastic. Yeah. And so that's really good for the game, I think. Tier so, four is by all means a nice benefit to have, but it's mm -hmm. not necessary. And that's that's like you said, a really cool balance. Yeah. Um but then the follow-up question would be, all right, so if I don't necessarily need to be focusing on getting my ratings up and Surviving. making sure I'm going into the fight with Tier 3 or Tier 4, um, I can just pick up weapons probably in my same loadout uh, pretty easily, which I think is true. Um, can I then upgrade that weapon that I pick up? No. So the rating system only applies to weapons that you spawn with. So if you pick up a, a purple weapon, you can't really get it to gold. Um, at that point. Next question, though, how do you get points in general? You know, you mentioned getting damage. Um, essentially, you need to get kill points or assists, capturing a point, playing with your squad mates. Really, anything can get you points. Yeah, and and I like that. Like it is reminiscent, like we were saying, of the score streak environment. But I just love that the fact that it is not going to turn into a oh, I'm not going to play the objective because I just need to get kills so I can upgrade my stuff kind of environment is something that makes this mode a nice balance between casual and then objective-based play. And it's honestly pretty easy to get points, and it's very passive. The zones are big to fight in if you're like getting bonuses from protecting or attacking a zone in theory, and obviously kills straightforward enough. So I think the bonuses are laid out pretty well, and I don't think they're unbalanced. Like By all means, I think you know if you get 10 or 11 kills and you're top of the kill chart, you're most likely going to be top of the ratings chart, but there is still very much a player that if you're surviving for a long time and you are, you know, playing objectives purely and getting out of there, you'll be able to climb that leaderboard as well. Both paths kind of work and that's nice. Yeah. And, you know, I've already mentioned it before, but everyone's objective should be to get purple attachments. Mm -hmm. And that's probably good because it isn't that hard to get purple attachments. You can pick them up off the ground, you can level up with ratings, but the best way to get whatever weapon you want from a loadout to purple is spawn at your home base. Mm -hmm. Every single time you get plus 150 rating, that means that all you need is 50 points in order to get both your weapons to purple. Yep, and that's a pretty nice, easy feat to accomplish. So, well said. Very achievable. So how do you win? Let's go through a couple strategies that mm -hmm. we've uh, picked up on. And, and like honestly, said, though, honestly, though, like it's not as intense as mm -hmm. other games. Like it's not as intense as a as the battle royale in terms of strategies. There's only so much we can say. I think the core component of everything we're gonna say though is play the objective. Go capture the points and you will win. Don't quit. Don't avoid the points and try and snipe for the entire game to rack up damage. Guilty of doing it 100%, but trying to win and how to win, 
play the objective. That's at the core. And we can give some specific tips as well, though. Yeah, and that's a good. And really, which objectives do you play mm-hmm. is kind of the, the follow-up question that's in the strategy, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, like we said earlier, capture events are very important to winning the game. Mm-hmm. So listen to what the game tells you to do. Mm-hmm. Do that, and you will likely win. Yeah, and, and I push the capture events even if it's the opposite team spawn. Because even if it is, you're not, you might not capture it, but if you can contest it for long enough to maybe neutralize it, those little advantages go a long way when the capture events are live, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really important. But on top of those events, obviously, controlling two points is also an incredible way to win games. Mm-hmm. Um, but which two points, I think, is where some questions arise. And game to game, there's going to be different situations. Mm-hmm. Now, some things to know are if you control the point closest to your base, you can spawn there instead of at your home base. Mm-hmm. If you control both points closest to your base, so your base A or C and B, you can then spawn on B. Which is nice. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that means if you control the two points closest to your base, you can keep the pressure on the other team and secure the most points. Mm -hmm. You know, that just really ramps up the pressure. Now, for a map like Barometer on Stormpoint, capturing B can be incredibly difficult because of its height advantage, people Mm -hmm. sniping from the top, it's very Very defendable in there. Mm -hmm. It can be tough. There are games where it, I think, is near impossible. Pulling an A and C capture with triadents by whipping around the outside can be the best way to salvage points and cut off the momentum to the other team that's camping on B. Mm-hmm. Because if they're holding B really hard and you take away uh, their closest point to their home base, that means they can't even spawn on B anymore. Yep. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to come from the home base, recapture their uh, A or C and then go back to B. So pulling an AC, especially on a barometer, is probably the best way at kind of coming back from behind or effectively taking B. Yeah, yeah. I think you, especially on barometer, is key, but it, it does apply to Hammond as well. If the other team just has a crazy hold on B because, you know, capping your point in B is the route you should go. But if someone has just this hold on B, they're respawning on B, you can't take it. The only way to do it might be to not, it's not a flip, but to go grab the other point and then you grab it, cause just a couple people to spawn out and you start hitting people from two sides and you might get the momentum needed to grab B yourself. Now, what about close games? You know, does that exist in control? What do you do? What's the end game strategy uh, for really close game? I hate to be brutally honest. Like, but there isn't really a close game comeback. The only way you can stop the opposing team from gaining points is to control all three points. And if you can do that at any point in the game, you probably already would have. It's not the easiest game to make that come from behind then for sure, especially when things get close at the end. You can do what you can to muck it up and contest things to try and neutralize it. 
but the fact that you're constantly gaining points regardless of anything else in this mode does make it hard to have that kind of, you know, come back. Yeah. And that's, I think to some probably disappointing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It definitely was to me uh, when kind of playing the mode for the first time, not being able to pause the points, not being able to contest. Mm -hmm. Um, As an example, if the enemy even controls one point and they are 35 points away from the 1250 needed to win, you effectively have 35 seconds until the game is over. And there's really nothing you can do. If they have two out of three points, that time gets cut in half. So the game is quick. There's no overtime. There's really no effective way to contest a close game. If your team is behind, the best thing to do is to not get to that situation by playing the capture events. You Mm -hmm. need to win the capture events Mm -hmm. to win. Well said. Well said. And we'll get into the rest of this breakdown after a quick word from our sponsors. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertiser, your ISP, and other prying eyes. And that's why we use IPVanish, VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. I love being a ghost. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed, your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan to our listeners with a free 30-day money-back guarantee. So that's just like getting nine months free. It's super easy to use, too. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com-apex and use promotional code APEX and claim 70% savings on your deal. That's ipvanish.com-apex. Welcome back. Let's talk maps. We only got two of them, obviously, right now, so it's not going to be an incredibly long conversation. And we did just touch, I think, on the key point of barometer with the AC versus the AB kind of style. But what have been kind of your thoughts on the maps and the talk about the two we have for a little bit? Yeah, so we have Hammond and barometer. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty safe to say Hammond is the better map at this point. Yeah. Um, the high ground potential overseeing the entire map uh, is very cool. And then having very clear pathing for triadents, I think, is a big advantage mm-hmm. uh, for playing on Hammond. Yeah. Um, and I think having point B within Hammond Labs is also very well suited for this objective. Um, having the multiple entry points, having a pretty large circular building just kind of makes a really fun objective-based gunplay, um, very different from the extreme close quarters that's on point B for barometer, where 
Yeah. People can just drop on your head, you know? It's very different from something like Hammond. I got to say that on Hammond real quick. Take advantage of the multiple entry points. Like, do Mm -hmm. not be the team that just lets the other team sit in and look at those two doors on repeat for an hour and hit everyone that comes in. You got so many other ways to come in. And I swear to you, nobody's ever in the underside part of Hammond just pushing through there and make some noise. Yeah, totally. And you can also just go around the top. Yeah, you know, totally. Add onto the roof, mm-hmm. go in from behind. Like, I think it's a lot more fun to play that B point. And like we said earlier, this is essentially a who can control B mode. Yeah. So yeah. Hammond does that better. It's probably the better map. Yep. Um, barometer, just to kind of go into the specifics, um, it can very easily become one sided. You have the upper levels of B. They can be taken by a team with snipers, and that pretty much seals the deal. Yeah. Countering GGs. with that AC capture mm-hmm. uh, is sometimes the only option, as we discussed. Um, but just the lower levels where B actually is, is so easily defended by just one caustic mm-hmm. or a rampart and a caustic. And so unless you're doing an AC push, the only way to really take B is a coordinated crypto emp attack mm-hmm. and that's hard yeah. you know that's hard to say that's a a fun point to contest yeah and obviously both these maps are essentially copies of the current pois we have in the game you know we, there's tridents zip lines and a few redeploy pads added but for the most part carbon copies um and before we dive into it and the rest of the legends and stuff i just wanted to ask the quick question of if we continue this route What's the next, like, maybe set of two POIs or area of a map that you would love to see added as yeah. another control map, essentially? I think there's one popular answer, which is well-deserved, and I'm curious if you're going to go with it. So where my head first goes to, based off of what we've seen for the beta for Apex Legends Mobile, mm-hmm. is doing something a lot smaller and doing market. You know, I think that mm. is pretty well-suited um, for a respawn mode. It's a little small, so I think you'd have to expand it a little bit, change mm-hmm. it a little bit, but I like the idea of a rectangular map. Um, what's the first thing in your mind? I mean, uh, the popular one I see that just comes to my mind is like the Skulltown Thunderdome. Like, yeah. just those two, like obviously incredibly iconic POIs that everyone would love to play on. It's really cool verticality with the bones and stuff as well, that would be really interesting to see involved. It'd be a big map and maybe just go one of the POIs essentially. Um, But I do think those would be pretty cool. I think you could have a really awesome urban fight by taking part of Fragment, but more specifically, maybe even taking part of Skyhook if you wanted to go pure urban. Um, And you have just like this building to building fight environment. That would be really interesting to monitor. Well, let me ask you this then, in terms of arenas now, we have fully dedicated maps yeah. for arena. Mm-hmm. Do you think our next step is to do that with control, or do you think we'll take BR maps? And the follow-up question is, will that mean that Kings Canyon and World's Edge will never be one of those maps because they don't have tridents? Are mm-hmm. tridents critical to a control map? Mm-hmm. I think they are. And I think maybe you get tridents added in in just control. I think it's a, like it it'd could be, be bold. It'd be bold, but it would be an exclusive feature limited to the mode. And so I think you could 
pull it off and nobody would be super frustrated. I would love to see a custom built control map. I think that would be really cool, but that's asking for a lot. That's asking for a much larger map than you're asking for an arena's map, which an arena's map and it's at its core is three lanes. And then you build uniqueness or similarities off those lanes with control. You're asking for really unique features fluctuating throughout the entire map that would kind of come together in a really cool way, which is doable by all means. I'm just, I think it could take a while for the content to maybe catch up to that. Yeah, I agree with that. We'll see. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Let's talk legends though. Um, what are kind of, I mean, we got best legends written out here and we have some favorites, but I got to ask the question for all the people that are listening. Do you think legend matters in this game that much? Or do you think you can get by with any? Yeah. Um, for the most part, legends probably don't matter as much as the loadout that you choose mm-hmm. and where you are in the map. Okay. You know, I think changing your loadout a lot based off of what point you're spawning at totally is a really important thing probably more important than switching your legend when you respawn um but in terms of who we think the best legends are honestly it kind of lines up with who the most effective legends are overall yeah um, definitely starting with octane and pathfinder you know the mobility up there tactical is a huge like gunplay advantage but then the ultimates of both these legends are massive advantages for quickly transporting the entire team of nine from point A to B or C to B. Really, really powerful. Yeah, and staying there consistently as well is really, really nice. Those things will stick around forever. You die a couple times as Pathfinder and you can get a quick C to B route essentially running for your team off spawn, which is a very nice advantage to have. Those ones are really good. I think the defensive legends also obviously fit into this meta very well. We've already talked about Caustic Rampart and kind of controlling the areas and and barometer and B. I think you could throw Watson in there as well. Anti-nades is kind of nice because everyone's going to always be spawning in with grenades. It's important to talk about when you got all these defensive legends, though, being meta, potentially, that crypto is the hardest counter to these ones. And maybe that's a good reason to play a crypto outside of the fact that you can get some crazy EMP damage, especially at the beginning of the game. Totally. Um, I think the dichotomy of crypto and the defensive legends is very prominent uh, in control. But it also, going back to mobility, Valk and her passive, as well as her ultimate, mm-hmm. very, very critical in terms of map control. Yeah. You know, just like Pathfinder and Octane's ultimate, important, a little bit harder, and the fact that it's limited to just two passengers uh, makes it probably just less than Octane and Path, but still is up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the love other, that. I love that, Valk. You can spawn your point, grab ult, and get to the other team's point immediately if you want to, and Nobody caps their point and then stays at their point. So you pretty much get a free capture off the opposing team's yeah. other point. And if your team wins B, well, then you've already started the lockout. But truly, you just have a huge advantage going early game. Yeah, effectively single-handedly. Single-handedly, um, yeah. It's pretty cool. Other legends that I think are just all around pretty good for an objective-based would be Gibraltar and Bloodhound. Just 
bubble and scan are really, really good um, in taking those close quarters engagements. Bangalore, though, is one that I think a lot of players might be sleeping on um, because in some ways, smoke is controversial uh, mm-hmm. in terms of 9v9. Maybe you don't want a whole lot of smoke. Smoking <laughs> your teammates, it's hard to coordinate that. Maybe that's really bad. But Bangalore's ultimate, specifically on Hammond, for the open points of A and C, pretty dang powerful to be able to cover a very large area and push or defend yeah, with her ultimate. Definitely. 100%. I agree. The last legend that I think has to be mentioned is Lifeline. The assumption was Lifeline would be irrelevant uh, in this mode because mm-hmm. there's instant respawn, there is no knock. There's no revive. So the most <laughs> powerful component of her ability is gone. But Lifeline's ultimate and how the rating system works and is tied to your ultimate charge makes her a pretty powerful option in mm-hmm. a lot of situations. Her ultimate calls in a care package with two purple arm response. Everyone's got blue. Yep. So having an extra 25 health to everyone and having it regen like it does in control Pretty dang powerful. Hard to kind of argue that Lifeline is not very relevant to control because she can effectively level up her entire team or squad's armor. A 50 health advantage going in for two people. That's pretty nice. Pretty nice. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Those are the legends. Let's talk about weapons here briefly. You got care package weapons, as you mentioned, coming in as one of the events. How do you play those? How have you enjoyed playing those so far? Do you even bother? Or are you just kind of locked in with your guns, either picking them up off the ground or leveling them up yourself? I mean, I'm not going to admit on the podcast that I'm not leveling up my own weapons. (laughs) But I think the most important thing is playing the ground loot and playing the ground weapons. You're Mm going to see... I guess, mythic weapons. You're going to see gold weapons. You're going to see purple weapons all over. Playing those is the most powerful thing you can do because no matter what, if you pick up one of those, you have unlimited ammo. That's huge. So that's where I would go to. Care package weapons, Spitfire, Bolt, G7, Kraber. Very good. But the limited ammo capacity is something to consider. Yep. You know, I think this is a respawn mode, so it's not like don't pick those up. Definitely do. Mm-hmm. But I think key into Maybe not the fact pick two that, of them up. Yeah. Yeah. But key into the fact that the ground weapons are your bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Like that is a very, very viable option, and there is no real reason to not play that way. How does gold armor fit in? Okay, so supply drop event comes down. Mm-hmm. There can spawn gold armor, gold helmets, and then those you know mythic weapons. Gold armor is interesting in mm-hmm. terms of it does give you that advantage of 25 health. It doesn't really give you a regen benefit in terms no. of if you're cracked, it's still eight seconds to fully recharge. But giving you the extra hit points is pretty significant. And so I will actually say as well, I think the syringe benefit is pretty underrated as well with Mm -hmm. the gold armor. Being able to pop syringes instead of med kits is a nice difference to have in the game. It may not make or break your life, but it could occasionally turn the tides in a fight. Yeah, I think it definitely can. Um, And that's another reason 
just to take one step back, that I think Octane is probably best overall. You know, fair, having fair. the passive regen as the passive really helps you when you already have such a high passive regen for shields. This makes his entire kit probably the best. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the best in BR, <laughs> um, but also definitely very, very strong in control. Well, before we get into some questions, let's kind of wrap things up on control. You know, final thoughts. What do you think? What kind of mode do you think control is in the end? We've thrown around the word casual a little bit, but still competitive. You know, we've said both words at the same time. Where do you think it maybe lands on the scale? And what are your overall thoughts on control? I think it really lands on casual. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a very casual mode. It was not designed to ever be an eSport. You know, it isn't like arenas where there is that pro-competitive allure. Mm Mm-hmm. This is a quick, casual mode. I think that's, that's totally great. fair. Yeah, totally fair. And I, I kind of echo that. I mentioned it earlier, like how I'm playing it already. And so to me, it is casual. And I think they're if they want to make it competitive, I think you could shrink it down and make it very competitive. Make it 5v5 on a smaller map, change kind of some of the objective functions. Like, it's great as it is, and I love it. I won't complain about it and I think if but if they do want to make a competitive version of it I think they have the assets and tools now to do it quite easily yeah and like you and I we're ranked players yeah. as much as we want to move away from playing ranked we always come back to ranked mm-hmm. and that's what we want we want the competitiveness but if we were to ask you know what's best for Apex what's missing from Apex it's, it's that casual it's that casual you know yep. so mm-hmm. this is the right move whether 100%. or not you think oh, control is broken, the point system is unbalanced, the rating system doesn't work. I don't know if you're getting the full picture because mm-hmm. in many ways I think, yes, this could be improved. But more so I think it could be changed. And does it actually need to be changed? Probably not. This mm-hmm. is exactly what it was supposed to be, a quick, casual, objective-based mode with respawns, shield regen, all the legends, a lot of customization. This is what that game needs. This is what the casual player needs, the person who's new to Apex, because Apex is hard. Yep. Really hard. Really hard, and it's such a great mode for a new player to be able to hop in and play 100%. Let's wrap this up now. Long episode this Saturday with some five-star questions. This one's coming from Cam. Hey, guys. Friends and I moved over to Apex from COD around four months ago. This was the first season we really tried rank, and we finished plat three, hoping to push to diamond next season. We have really taken an interest in the ALGS-style tourneys, and we're curious about how possible it is to host our own. Any tips for getting respawn or EA's approval to host private lobbies? Thanks again. Love the show. The Pathfinder bit in the intro-outro is fire. Agreed on that last bit. 100%. Um, well, Cam, welcome uh, to Apex, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you listening. Uh, yeah, we were just talking about how much we're addicted to ranked. It's pretty fun. Uh, finishing plat three is definitely an accomplishment. In previous seasons, like a year ago at this point, I'd be able to tell you off the top of my head uh, what percentile you are in terms of the players that play ranked. But sadly, for the last three, four seasons, we haven't gotten any of that data, so there's no way for me to recall <laughs> it. But I know you're good. Yep. Um, in terms of getting a private lobby tournament mm-hmm. you should join ours it's going to be a lot of fun uh, links in the description for the patreon i think it's an awesome opportunity we it took us over a year 
to get approval to do our own private lobby. Mm-hmm. It is a process, and it is handed out to people running tournament platforms consistently and creators first and foremost. Not really sure how accessible it is, but you can apply and try if you truly do want to. Private lobbies are something that we thought was going to be a public feature uh, for a few seasons now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's not yet. Will it be in the future? At this point, maybe. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if it's really a priority uh, at Respawn at this point. Mm -hmm. Next question coming from Nelly. New listener, love the show. Who is the best movement legend in your guys' opinion? I personally think Pathfinder, once his abilities are mastered. Can't wait to hear your feedback. Nelly, I'm a big Pathfinder fan. I love Path, um, but my favorite movement legend right now in terms of just all around you know, abilities is Falk. I love her quick mobility. It's what I used to love Path for. Path is now more of a long-range mobility legend. Versatile with the Missile Swarm being able to deal out damage, beacons, repositioning, like the best repositioning in the game for a legend. She kind of just has it all and in the mobility category. Uh, takes the crown for me, but trust me, I love Path. Path's like one of my favorite legends to play, bar none. Henry, agreement, disagreement, thoughts? It's definitely been true for the longest time that the upper echelon of Pathfinder players are the best at movement. Mm-hmm. But like you said, Valk is so strong, and Valk comes with such a package that Pathfinder lacks. Um, I, w- I also have to say, Octane has incredible mobility. Oh, the for sure. The mm-hmm. and the pad, I still think, even though there was a nerf last season for Octane's pad with the audio changes, it's still the most powerful ultimate in the game. That's reflected by the pick rate, and that's just protected by the idea that it can move the entire team so quickly it's on such a low cooldown it's so forgiving it's the best mm-hmm. so if you're thinking team mobility i gotta say octane like it, it's a really powerful thing to be able to move the team in such a easy way i think that's fair and i've seen a lot of people saying horizon as well as their favorite movement legend being able to move a team up and down i don't know about that like she's like they it's it's tough because her pros she fits in the movement category but her pros come from a non-movement ability as do some of the other movement characters i think they're just a, there's just a lot of good ones. They're all yeah. pretty dang good. And there's people that will tell you Wraith, and we're not in that camp, but there are people that will are will die on that bridge. Um, next question coming from Big Apex Gamer. Hey, guys, been playing a lot of Valk recently, and I wonder if you have any tips on her. We love, love Valk. Mm-hmm. Been loving on Valk since she was released. It mm-hmm. took, I think, at least two or three seasons uh, for the pro sand, took storm to point. Up. Yeah, yeah, she's incredible. I, I think she's so fun to play. The hardest part is knowing when to use the passive. If you're doing the long flights in the open, you're really exposed, and doing that in a gunfight is really a no-no. You don't want to do that. So doing short bursts to go floor to floor is a really good strategy to kind of capitalize on her mobility. Um, but I think that's the hardest part. Um, timing and 
figuring out the range of the tactical is another thing that I think takes experience. But if you haven't already, you should definitely listen to our Mastering the Legends for Valkyrie because she's a really cool legend with the most passes in the game, it feels, and she, she's a great, fun legend to play. Yep, well said. Next question coming from Bragg Ops. I love the podcast because I'm a kid. I'm still in school. It's great to listen to on the school bus and during the week. Thanks so much for the five-star review. Love that you're listening to the pod. Mm-hmm. Love it. Last question for the day coming from Mr. Zucchini. Hey, guys. I'm a relatively new player. Started season 11, and this pod has really helped me improve. I have two friends who play ranked with, but it always seems like it's my fault when things go wrong. They also don't listen to my calls because they say, you're the silver player, we're in gold. They now want me to play by myself to improve and catch up. What do you guys think I should do? Oh, the toxicity of friendship and gaming. Uh, that's a tough one. It is a tough one. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, if you guys are all in silver and gold range... It is not a strategy or like one person is worse than the other person kind of thing. Like that's not your issue in my opinion, especially you're saying you're a relatively new player. You're grasping Apex right now for the first time. The movement's hard. The guns are hard. The abilities are really hard. This is a hard, hard video game to get good at. The inventory is hard. The inventory is hard. There's so much to know. And we generally say like, you don't need to play strict ranked strategies through gold. It's not really till you get to plat where you kind of will see a difference in that. I think the bronze to gold range, you're looking at pretty dang similar skill levels um, in terms of just, hey, improving on your, by yourself if that's what you want to do. Honestly, I enjoy playing Apex Legends with my friends. Um, I have friends that are not at the same level as I am, considering I've played this game for now three years, and there's people that have I'm friends with that haven't played this game for a long time. I love playing with them still, regardless of that, because that's kind of what you know, friendship and all that fun is about. Like it's all about gaming together. Um, so I'm sorry that your friends are kind of you know maybe being a bit more on the rude side to you, but if you just want to improve right now. Control's a great way to do it, to get reps in and practice your gun skill and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, yeah, I went along there. Henry, maybe you can be a little, give some more sage wisdom than I can. Well, my sage wisdom is I think your teammates got their wires crossed. If they think that there is a drastic difference between a silver player and a gold player, they are very mistaken. The gap is not very wide. And if there's two gold players and one silver, then your friends should be carrying you to gold. Period. You cannot tank their game. Well said. Well said. One silver. So I think they're just confused. You can tell them that Henry told you that. Um, (laughs) Because that's just not the case. You know, it seems like they're putting you in a bad situation that you should never be in ranked, where if you really want to climb, Scan the beacon, play positioning, play legends that suit that play style. Listen to the podcast to get all these details on it and use that playbook. You know, like they're clearly not doing that. 
They're mm. dropping contested. They're blaming you for mess-ups. They're taking bad fights. These are things that if they are veteran, they should know. And since there's two of them, they shouldn't be complaining about anything that you're doing. You should be sitting there saying, I thought you guys knew what you were doing. Yeah. Uh, well said. Much better said than I did. That's going to wrap today's episode, though. Thank you to our producer, The Third Party 10, as well as our dropship captain, Luke, who support us over on Patreon. Subscribe and Apple Pods, drop a follow on Spotify, and check us out on Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to The Third Party Podcast. Catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Maybe tomorrow.